You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast on the 5x5 Network. You're listening to episode 262, and I'm your host, Brittany Martin. Today, I'm joined with Jan Krusch. Jan is a software developer from Hamburg, Germany, and the co-founder of DebtFood.com, a service that helps teams to keep their dependencies up to date. He's one of the founding members of Hamburg's Ruby community, and while writing a lot of JavaScript these days, he's still in love with Ruby syntax, its developer friendliness, and its wonderful community. Welcome to the show, Jan. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So Jan, what is your developer origin story? Oh, how much time do you have? <laughs> um, so I'm actually old enough to uh, grow up with like the first generation of home computers. Um, so I I had a Commodore C64 was my my first real computer. I think the the first computer I was actually programming um, was a like a calculator from my dad, um, some sort of sharp PC something something, um, and uh, all of these devices back in the days were programmable by basic and i think the the one thing that stands out for this generation of machines was that you switch them on and you have this prompt and nothing else it's just a text prompt and it prompts you to program the whole thing in whatever language was on there like i said mostly basic and um i i still think that this is like a very good introduction into computing when you have a machine that basically screams at you program me program me and uh that's where i yeah made my first steps and uh i think from there on it was like i i did a lot of programming in school did all the the programming classes there we did a lot of pascal there and from there on um kind of the the next logical thing would have been to study uh, computer science but i kind of didn't feel that that was the right thing to do and so i started to or i i studied environmental engineering which is you know something completely different but uh during during the studies i basically at some point started to work as a freelancer because it was just good money it was the dot-com era um before 2000 and uh, I was a okay-ish web developer by that time and so I made um, a lot of money for a student (laughs) on the side uh, doing web stuff and so when I finished my studies um, two things happened at once the first thing is that the the uh, dot-com boom was over so there weren't any good jobs in IT and also the environmental engineering stuff was in in germany was has kind of bounced back from a high in the end of the the 90s where a lot of subsidies on solar energy and and wind energy and so on have been spent and so there weren't any good jobs there either and so i applied to both sides ended up in it and uh, started to work in my first job somewhere around 2002, I think. And my second job was already uh, working with Ruby on Rails, uh, which was in uh, 2006, I think. And uh, yeah, haven't looked back since, so to speak. So basically, you kind of locked into a job where they were using Ruby already. And so that's what introduced you to the Ruby community? 
Um, well, actually, I think the the Ruby community thing started a little bit earlier. So um, I was I, I I watched the original uh, Rails uh, fifteen minutes uh, build a blog screencast from DHH, and uh, was kind of fascinated by that. Uh, took a look at it, played with it, even did a couple of like really small um, test projects. Uh, within the job I had at the time, I was I was doing sort of kind of mostly front end development, mostly HTML, CSS, but also writing a lot of Java code. So um, yeah, Ruby was really appealing to me, and uh, that was when we like 2005 ish, end of 2005, we founded the Hamburg's Rails user group, and um, that's. That's kind of how, yeah, we basically brought the community um, in. Basically, we we founded it um, more or less. Is it that community and just your experience with Ruby why you continue to invest so much time into Ruby? Um, that's an interesting question. I think um, I think my main motivation is. Um, kind of to try to keep the community alive it's not that it's dying in any sense but it's i i like to spend my time in ruby code because i i really um love the syntax i love the the global community around it i love all the the, the whole ecosystem and in specifically i think i think that's a like central european maybe even a german problem that i see the the ruby community shrinking a little bit and so um some of my work is dedicated to to uh not let that really happen oh we <laughs> that appreciate that yeah absolutely yeah. that makes a lot of sense so let's change topics a little bit and let's dive into dependency hell if you've ever done any significant amount of programming or system administration, no matter which framework you used, you've all been there. You found yourself bogged down in cross-dependency and package configuration issues. We have all felt this in the review community especially. Do you have a personal story where dependencies have set you back? Um, I actually, I don't think I have one of these war stories to tell, um, at least not off the top of my head. I mean, I, I could probably talk about like how dependency hell was when we didn't have bundler and no automatic dependency resolution and stuff like that. That was that was awful. And so I think um, one of the things that um, I think are important in this context is to to note how much better things have gotten. And um, I think in general, as a community, we're doing a pretty good job of um, preventing dependency hell from from being like a very dominant story um, and uh, that's due to you know a lot of hard work done by people um, maintaining the open source projects that uh, are the basis for the libraries that we're using but also things like the bundler team um, people who are doing a lot of work to to make sure that this actually works very well and I think um, uh, still you know we all have been there where it's like you have to get rid of this image processing gem or this this uh, file upload gem because it's not compatible with the next rails version and stuff like that it's i think everyone has been there but i think in general it it all works out pretty well i agree with you i think that we're going to see a lot of interesting movement and dependencies with rails 6 just because rails 
keeps coming up with these amazing features that do replace dependencies that we're all dependent on. So as ThoughtBot is no longer maintaining, let's say, Paperclip, um, I imagine there are still a lot of applications, including our own, that still uses Paperclip. We mean to go to active storage. It's on the list, but we haven't quite done it yet. And so moving to Rails 6 will be interesting just to see what de dependencies we're going to have to maintain and whatnot. We also at the Trust uh, used to use a Rails engine that loaded into a Rails engine that loaded into the application. And we had a lot of times where one Rails engine was dependent on one dependency and then another one was dependent on a different version. So that could have been, it used to be really tricky to, to update the application. Luckily, we've, we've slimmed things down quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, we are probably getting to um, depth, to the DevFoo story, but um, I mean, w one of the things that happens for us is that we look at our backend a lot, at the, the admin backend, and we see all these conflicts and um, they, they um, today, for example, I don't know if you've been affected by this, but um, I think last night or so, um, ThoughtBot had to pull um, the uh, Shudder Matches gem. Uh, one version had to yank them from Ruby gems. And so uh, suddenly a lot of the dependency updates that we're trying to do are failing because the dependency is no longer there and stuff like that. Um, and we, we obviously see all of that because um, so many updates happen in the platform. Oh, I've definitely been a victim of a gem yanking. We use a software to manage our queuing system when we have large on sales. And our third party vendor yanked a gem. And we had just updated that morning before the on sale. And unfortunately, it took down the queue during the on sale. So we basically were rendered um, without any sort of gateway of keeping the users off the site and in a timely manner. So, yep, it definitely happens. But yes, you did touch upon, I would love to hear the actual backstory of how Depfu came to be. Yeah, um, it's probably it's probably a little different than you would think. So it was not something where I, I got together with Florian, who's my uh, colleague, uh, partner in crime on this, and said, hey, let's fix dependency management for Ruby. Um, it was kind of the other way around. Uh, Florian is an ex-colleague of mine from uh, actually the, my first Rails job back in the days. And um, we have been in contact ever since um haven't been working together uh until now but um always stayed in contact and always we kind of we really loved working together and during that time and so we wanted to do something together and uh in 2016 we or it was probably 15 when we sat together for the first time and talking about doing something together it was um it was kind of a for me, it was almost like a, if we don't do it now, we will probably never do it. And so we started to kind of pitch ideas, um, trying to figure out if there's anything that makes sense to, to tackle. And we also experimented a little bit and, and did um, another project um, together with an agency here in Hamburg that didn't really take off. And um, at the time, uh, Greenkeeper, who's, which is just doing um, the same thing, basically automated dependency uh, updates for JavaScript uh, was just coming out. And um, I'm actually friends with um, a lot of their developers. And, and so 
this was a very obvious idea to simply take this idea and, and transfer it to Ruby. And so that's um, basically how this idea came onto our table. And we said, yeah, this might be something to try out. So Jan, did you get immediate validation when you shipped the first version of Depthu? Um, so the, the thing we tried was in the beginning to basically build a version of Depthu that mostly works for open source. So we built something that would work with gem specs and didn't even care for um, lock files and stuff like that. And we're, our train of thought was that it, it might make sense to try to get the open source community involved and then um, use that as basically as leverage to pitch the, the, the commercial version uh, later on that would work with for application projects and stuff like that. Um, and we built that and then we approached a lot of open source authors. Hey, this is uh, a thing that helps you keeping your dependencies up to date. And um, the, the feedback was, let's put it, you know, lukewarm, I would say. We we did sign up a couple of people, um, but it wasn't like this huge success story. And I, I vividly remember one feedback because it came from someone who, like, I look up to very much, um, Mike Perm, who's doing Sidekick. And um, he was very kind, but he, in his email, he basically said, you know what, I'm trying to minimize dependencies in all of my projects. And so I don't want to use a service that basically encourages me to use more dependencies. And um, while I found this a very interesting answer and certainly um, very, very frank from here, from him to um, to say the say it that way that was certainly uh, discouraging. The good news is that we do actually have a lot of open source users by now, and uh, so we are starting to see the effects of that as well. That's great. So um, there are a fair amount of competitors out in the market now. How do you feel Depthu is different? That's always kind of a tricky question because you, I mean, after all, it's just dependency updates, and we all. Like, I don't even know if that's an English saying, but in, in Germany, we'd like to say we're, we're all just cooking with water. Um, and so I think, I mean, we, we try to come up with features that are, that we think are um, unique, um, but none of them are like, none of them are like really hard to replicate. I would say so it's it's not something where you can just build this one thing and then you're super unique with your service in in the field that we're working in here but i i do think that we ha do have a couple of things that are that make sense um from a user's perspective one feedback that we always get which surprises us a bit is that our dashboard is really great um a lot of people who miss gymnasium um i guess say that because we we spend a lot of time building a really good dashboard and that's not something that our competitors have in general and the other thing is something i think um we might see the effects of later this year which is um, a strategy that we're trying to come with come up with which we call reasonably up to date um and the the thinking behind this is that you actually don't really want to be on the latest version version of every gem uh, 
as quickly as the gem uh, new gem version comes out because sometimes you have things like a package gets released and then it gets a bug fix and you don't want to spam um, the users with like every pull request for all of these things and so we spend a lot of time trying to come up with ways how we can um, reduce the number of pull requests we send um, our clients and our, our the teams um, working with Depfu and we're we're starting to see the effects right now and um, there's a couple of different strategies we use for that um, but I think that's that's something that probably puts us apart a little bit that's a really neat idea I like that a lot so what are your thoughts on developing a tool for developers um I I would say um in in a way it's great because we are developers too so it's you know it's building something we are trying to build something that we're using ourselves and obviously we are like eating our own dog food and uh, we do that daily and we try to use all the features as well um, that's obviously a very a very good thing that you can um, you you don't need to shift your perspective a lot to kind of figure out what people might like. Um, it's What's interesting to me is that um, given how much money is in this industry in general, um, uh, how price sensitive the, the whole um, industry seems to be in terms of developer tooling. Um, but I mean that's kind of complaining on a relatively high level, and I and I know that people who sell products always complain about price sensitivity. But it's something that we've noticed that it's actually a relatively like low margin. I can't really say that, but it's it's um it was harder to get our pricing right than we thought um it might be. So so that's yeah. something that I I worried wondered about. I listen to a lot of different startup podcasts uh, like Art of Product where they discuss pricing strategies and how amazing it is when you can triple your price or how devastating it can be when you don't price it correctly right off the gate. I know that um, selling to developers specifically can be really tricky just because developers have the mentality of, well, I don't need to buy that. I could just make it. And whether or not that's a good use of their time, sometimes developers don't have the greatest sense of. Yeah, that's true. Um, and we, I mean, as you can imagine, we've heard that uh, a number of times. And um, it, it's, <laughs> there's this, uh, um, uh, there was this this uh, slightly comparable, this quote that I remember that, um, uh, which is similar to this, like every Sinatra app basically implements a very half-assed version of everything in Rails, and it's it's kind of the same thing where you think like, well, we we take this smaller thing, or we take this, or we build this script that uh, we we uh, can maintain ourselves, and then you find out all the edge cases that we obviously have already found, and you need to build something for that, and then your small like uh, weekend project suddenly becomes this huge mess of things and uh, um, we can at least spend a little bit more time of turning that mess into something that works for a lot of our clients and and uh, build something better with that, I guess. That makes sense. So moving on to a different co topic, 
You co-wrote one of the first German books in Ruby on Rails. What drove you to take on such a daunting task? <laughs> um, that was very simple. Uh, we've uh, we've just um, we've just been asked to write a book. Um, I think the backstory of this is um, when I when I was that was still at my first job, and uh, a colleague of mine um, who I got along with very well um, started to or had at that time already started to write a lot of articles for um, technical magazines in Germany. And so he had contacts into a, a lot of the publishers. And I think the backstory of our book is that an author basically jumped ship. And so um, the, the, the publisher needed authors to write about this new hot Ruby on Rails topic. And for some reason, um, they they asked my colleague, and my colleague um, knew that I was interested in the subject and asked me if I wanted to co-write it. So I think that's the story. And I mean, had I known what kind of task that is, I'm not sure if I would have taken it on. But on the other hand, at the time, I was young. Uh, I, I saw this as a very nice um, kind of career platform. Um, you know, if you can claim that you wrote one of the first books on a subject, that's probably that's probably okay for your career. So, I guess that's uh, one of the reasons as well. Oh, okay, awesome. Well, Jan, how can our listeners follow what you're up to and get um, information about Depfu? Um, well, Depfu is at uh, you can find at depfu.com. Um, we actually do have. Uh, um, a, a small um, discount code there. If you go to depfoocom slash five by five, you can you can get some uh, uh, you get a month off um, because we <laughs> we want people to try it out. And um, apart from that, I'm uh, Halfbyte on Twitter. Um, although I'm not as active there as I used to be. I really would like to plug uh, Mastodon. Um, I'm halfbyte at cosmos.social, cosmos with a K. Um, I really like this decentralized approach of Mastodon. Um, and um, I handed in a couple of uh, proposals for conferences. Uh, Euroku, for example, not sure I'm getting in, but it's always worth a try. And yeah, um, that's basically it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Remember to keep up with your dependencies, listeners, and we will catch you next week.